0: Hey everyone, this is Editor Hess jumping in at the beginning to point out that, as many of you may have already surmised, I decided to shift the show's schedule into twice a month. So, not weekly, but twice a month. So, be looking out for us every other Sunday. And if I get a little bit behind, maybe I flip over to the following Monday. Uh, after that Sunday, I started a much more demanding job that just leaves me very exhausted at the end of the day. So in order to keep delivering you the hot, hot monster content you all crave and not actually be literally pulling my hair out with the producing of the show, uh, please keep us on your schedule for every other weekend, uh, unless there's something like a weird holiday or something. But otherwise, just look out for every other Sunday Enough out of me, please enjoy this week's wacky-ass episode on Edgar, the alien bug in a Vincent D'Onofrio suit guy thing. (laughs) ¶¶ the fuck uh what show is this? This is my show. This is the show we this make. The... <laughs> it's oops, oops all monsters. Yeah. It's about monsters. <laughs> it's about regraveling your driveway. Welcome to it Oops Could All be. Monsters, the deadly unserious show about Creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. My mic did some weird thing last week where I just said, like, from wild West Virginia, (laughs) and it's like, my, my mic did some kind of weird thing where it hiccuped and just swallowed two random words from me, like... (laughs) The the recording just stole them. It was weird. It was really, really bizarre. So anyway, that weirdo with me, when he's not using his dark telepathic powers to influence the Powerpuff Girls, is Gavin.
1: Okay. (laughs) Let's see. What is that, him? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It may be. (laughs) Yeah, what a a weird monster. Mm -hmm. And this weirdo with me, who is... uh, Who is trying desperately to get into a a, a, a fancy restaurant in Central Park in his <laughs> disheveled disheveled um, uh, gozer suit? Is Hess?
0: That would, uh, of course, be the uh, the keymaster Rick Moranis. Yeah. Uh, the yes, cur- have <laughs> yes, have some. Yes, have some um and we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV as well as gaming from the console from the console as well as gaming from the console to the tabletop and beyond <laughs> on a, Rotundo. Ra- a condominium On a rotating basis each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you dear readers. I can just not get through a whole fucking sentence without saying one word Goddamn bass backwards what I don't know I basically I guess I didn't really speak today but that's not uncommon. I yeah I didn't
1: either. It's gonna be it's gonna be both of us um, pausing for words.
0: yeah between between right. doing this show and teaching I speak. About ten thousand percent more than I have at um, many uh, areas timelines of my life. When I yeah. when I was working like as a file transfer manager in Burbank, I could go a whole day barely speaking a hundred words if I was doing a really good job. <laughs> um, much to the chagrin of some of my you know partners. I mean, this is excluding text-based communications, right? But, like, actual out-loud words. I could, you know, I could frequently get through a day with hardly any of them.
1: It's been a big, silent, gray, rainy day.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been a big, silent, gray, rainy week. Yeah. It's been full of snot. (laughs) Yeah. You sound back to normal. I I hope you didn't get the thing I had, because I've been coughing now for three weeks. I
1: Well, I don't think it's a thing. I think it's just the weather makes my sinuses t- it's that's always happened like um, if this is not an old man problem this this happened when I was like 17
0: yeah that's a thing that will happen oh I should finish um, introducing the show uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and uh, let's see um quick reminder Creatures, cryptids qu- no that part I did quick reminder check the Instagram I will be continuing to add images to it that will augment your experience if you want to see the visuals that we are referring to uh, and before we get into our topic, uh, this week is a Gavin joint, so it is. Uh, yes. My do you have a word for us? I do. For the
1: famous segment that we like to call.
0: Villainous vocabulary. Uh, Gavin, are you are you familiar with the term shibboleth? Shibboleth, S H. Um. I-double-B-O-L-E-T-H. Yeah.
1: Yes. I want to say yeah, because there's a whole series of words that end in leth that I know. <laughs> I don't know if shibboleth is one of
0: them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I will say a popular example that I know that both of us are familiar with is the, um, the World War II American GIs would uh, have in their deck of playing cards, for some reason, a card with a squirrel on it. Uh, in, ca- yeah. in case they ran across any um, suspicious, like uh, people running around pret- who may be pretending to be Americans, uh, why would yeah. a picture of a squirrel be useful in um, in determining whether someone was actually because, an American?
1: Because Eastern Europeans cannot say
0: squirrel. Yeah, people that naturally speak Germanic languages don't can't do the quick. Q, Q, Q twist turn into the R L with the whirl. Yeah. They can't. They say, end up saying like squirrel. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, Th- they add a K noise like squirrel. Uh, yeah, they can't <laughs> say squirrel. Um, so you can r- know real quick if somebody is a sneaky Jerry, uh, and that's an, an example <laughs> of a shibboleth. Basically, shibboleth is a broad noun that references. Um, various uh, customs or beliefs or abilities yeah. or skills or, or pieces of knowledge that separate one group of people from another group of people. Essentially, it acts like in that World War II example as a fence between various groups. For instance, your n- knowledge yeah. about you know, all of the various kinds of fancy house uh, in this one, uh, you know, part of the state, you could drop as a shibboleth into conversation so that you would be able to ascertain other people that are of your social status. Um, so, yeah. you know, shibboleths exist in all sorts of cultures. You might, you know, go and start talking about like second edition Dungeons and Dragons at, you know, like a, a nerd store. To, and that would act as a shibboleth between people that are old-school gaming nerds and people that are not. They exist in all sorts of various <laughs> forms. So uh, it is technically a custom principle or belief distinguishing a particular class or group of people, especially a long-standing one regarded as outmoded or no longer important. So, you know, uh, uh, odd old-timey accent or um, things that are... Vestigial um, ways of behaving that distinguish one group from another.
1: I got a, I got a whole bunch of complicated handshakes I want to teach you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, there's going to be some linguistic drift between. That and other ways of distinguishing uh in or out modality <laughs> of being in a group. But um yeah, shibboleth is a good one. It's also a very interesting word to say. So bango yeah. tango, there you go, shibboleth. Shibboleth. Alright, Gavin. So where um Yeah. Where are we gonna take ourselves? Um We
1: can take we can take our fat little adventures imaginations straight into rural new york where we could imagine if we could uh that we are a rural new york uh farmer wife <laughs> okay with uh Big red hair living in a plain, old-fashioned Victorian house with plain, old-fashioned Victorian style. Okay. And our verbally abusive husband, in the middle of berating us for the bad dinner that we've made him, is interrupted by an explosion from outside. Oh, it stops everything, and your husband grabs the shotgun and heads out the door and goes to investigate the matter, further instructing you to take your big
0: butt back inside. <laughs> okay, so this is... It's not Critters, because we've done Critters. I have done Critters? I, there's so... This sounds like the start of so many sci-fi horror movies. I really... I'm really not... I don't know.
1: So you take your big butt back inside, <laughs> um, tending to your tending to your lemonade you want to make sure that it's okay for some reason this does ring a bell bu- he comes back from
0: his investigation i don't know why the big butt um, thing does ring a bell to me it's going to bother me when i find yeah, out it's really yeah, that piss is me in the, off. that is in the in the thing um i can tell cuz it's so, it's itching my mind sorry go ahead yeah.
1: when your husband limps back into the house uh, there's something strange about him his skin seems to be Dropping, dripping, hanging from uh, the various points on his face. Um, you hate to see it. He he doesn't seem to walk correctly. He's stiff. He he walks in kind of an adulated form. His voice is deeper. He's
0: demanding that you give him sugar. What? And ah, you god, this is gonna bother me because this is something br- that I know really well. What the, f- what, the f- what the hell is this? It's whenever
1: a- you go to bring up the sugar that you keep in the little sugar pot for tea, he demands that you put it in water. He wants sugar in the water. Shit, what is this? So you take the teaspoon and sprinkle some sugar inside of a glass of water. More, he demands. So you pour the whole thing in there and he guzzles it down and as you point out uh, that his skin is hanging off of his bones, he grabs the back of his head, pulls his skin so tight and far up his head that he looks like some type of horror horror mirror monster clown and says, is that matter? Oh, what the fuck is this? Is this is something that I know as really well. Goes, as all goes black as you pass out. This is the Edgar suit from Men in Black.
0: Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Now I don't feel as bad. It's not, it's not... Not, yeah, it's yeah. not one of my, um, you know, cultural touchstone movies, but it, I, it was certainly, ring, yeah, it was certainly ringing more, about more sci-fi oriented. Is than the horror. is the Edgar suit the one that is um, Vincent D'Onofrio? Is that is that right? Yes. What the heck is it, Edgar? Get your big butt back in the house. Okay, okay, yes. okay. Then I'm I'm on the ball. I didn't even have to look it up. Coolio. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Give me sugar.
0: Vincent D'Onofrio
1: plays, um, throughout this movie, uh, both the farmer Edgar for briefly and then, um, a giant cockroach insect alien who rips Edgar's skin off of his body and then, uh, uh, inhabits his skin, but only his skin. Okay. Which, um... Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio does like beautifully, like like the the way that he moves and and acts like he's a he's a bunch of roaches inside of a human skin suit is hilarious and and really convincing. Yeah. Um. The, yeah. Do you remember Men in
0: Black? <laughs> Man. Yeah, but. It's really, it's really like a dream that I had once, you know, it's (laughs) only in broad strokes. I, uh, I can't say that. I mean, maybe I've seen it two or three times total, which is sounds like maybe a lot to some of our listeners, but it's as such a monstrously (laughs) famous, uh, and popular film. You know, a lot of people will have seen it a lot more than that. I think maybe it clocks in at yeah. like, you know, 89 minutes or something. Um, yeah. So it's very, and it was just, it it's on everywhere all the time. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I've probably seen it a couple of times. And certainly <laughs> the Vincent D'Onofrio gags are synonymous essentially with the whole, the, the real center of what the whole, the movie is about, which is everything is yeah. not what it seems, uh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so is uh, is Edgar specifically our our topic today? Am I make? I want to make sure I have got that pinned uh, yeah. down. Yeah, the okay.
1: Edgar suit or the bugs from Men in Black. Okay, there's there's um there's an entire Men in Black like universe. Like there's a cartoon and a couple video games and and like the the sequel movies which got into like really stupid
0: territory with the last one. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean I was, <laughs> don't think I saw the I didn't yeah, I didn't see the one with Chris Hemsworth, right?
1: Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. It's it's like a nothing movie. It really doesn't do anything. It just says a bunch of men in black things and then like it's over.
0: Yeah <laughs> I um well I mean I guess it's if I was the age when I saw the original Men in Black, I would it would probably be appealing to me. I think it's just a generational thing where it was kind of like aimed at 13-year-olds and it worked yeah, yeah. at 13-year-olds, but it doesn't it doesn't occur to me that I'm going to enjoy that style, but um I don't know. I mean, heck, it could be entertaining. I don't know. What did you think about it?
1: Oh, I didn't like it. It was just it it didn't I was expecting something like along the lines of, of, of re-examining the perspective of, of not knowing what the Men in Black is... Yeah, And, like, that's where it started. Like, the main character wasn't aware of the men in black. And then when she was, it seemed like um, that she didn't need to be informed (laughs) about anything. That suddenly, like, the men in black exist. Oh, okay, I know all about that. (laughs) Let's continue. Yeah, yada, yada, yada,
0: yada. Let's go shoot stuff with weird Jim Lee guns. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the 1990, ooh, six, uh, seven, six. Seven. Um, movie. Yeah. <laughs> the nineteen ninety-seven movie starring um uh uh infamous Chris Rock Slapper, Will Smith. <laughs> and um and, and infamous monotone uh board acting uh Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. uh did a pretty good job of Doing a thing where if a tree's if a tree falls in the middle of a forest, and no one's around to hear it. Does it um, cause the end of the world? Mm, yeah. Okay. Type of thing where like uh, trying to keep people from panicking on a worldwide level is is mostly what the Men in Black's job is. Like their job isn't necessarily about hunting aliens and, right. and destroying. Uh, giant cockroaches or anything. It's about keeping people from knowing that um, the earth is in danger, like constantly.
0: Yeah. I mean, the very easily, their slogan could be ignorance is strength. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's really the, it's really the, the model that they enforce. Right. It's like, you are you are too weak to handle this shit. So you can, you can, you can not be telling your friends that you saw this, like, weird interstellar demon bug rip this guy in half so just uh (laughs) and have a good day it was kind of it was kind of uh i I
1: guess a different a different concept in 1997 like that made a lot of sense in 1997 like um, america yeah america hadn't been attacked yet and um, and politics were not yet like a Mad Magazine cartoon.
0: Yeah, there's this there's this <laughs> cultural bubble during the like economic boom time between basically 1990 and 2001 that like we didn't we we kept having there was more and more confidence like you know homes and and people ended kept getting more and more value in their property. Uh, the X Files yeah. was on like most of that time, so the world was the world yeah. was good, and and like <laughs> there was not a major economic recession in that period of time that like really really fucked people's lives up in a terms of having in terms of having to like reevaluate their whole lives in a in a grand yeah. way, and the idea that the. <laughs> That it would be funny and whimsical that the government would have a secret agency that would zip around in like flying cars and like wear reservoir dog suits and blast people with laser guns yeah. and then zap memories out of your brain was just like a, a real knee slapper as opposed to, you know, yeah. what and like basically inviting yourself to being like. Um, doxed and pizza gated by making a, a, yeah. a similar yeah. movie in, you know, 2021, for, for instance, um, yeah. it, be- it would be basically like walking around, you know, yeah. Asking to have QAnon, like throw you into a van somewhere in Michigan, ask you a lot of questions about <laughs> child trafficking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Things got weird. Things got weird in real life. So weird that men in black is is plausible? <laughs> yeah,
0: and it turns out that we were the Vincent D'Onofrio all along. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and like nobody's being protected from like space roaches. They're being protected from something that's completely unknown to every party
0: involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what can we say about the Edgar Su- the Edgar suit slash these space bugs? Because I hella do not remember the actual facts about it.
1: Uh, the f- Well, it was, it was kind of an action movie stance on how the, on how the rules were for the bug. Like, um, it took what I think um, Barry Sonnenfeld felt that, like, the audience knew about brooches and kind of flew with that and then created a couple of stereotypical uh, sci-fi fantasy things that people would kind of expect. Like, you can already see that the bug fits into a human suit uncomfortably, so it probably also has, like, um, a proportionate strength power, so Vincent D'Onofrio can, like, throw trucks and fold people in half. Edgar suit's constantly surrounded by regular Earth cockroaches. Yeah. Um making uh making kind of like the reveal a, a couple of times that like edgar's not just like some rotting farmer which also like the skin decomposes throughout the <laughs> yeah. film like the <laughs> the bug inside of it does not keep the skin alive so um the uh makeup's the de- makeup department had to change the skin for like every scene as as the film progressed. The makeup department was headed by Rick Baker, who is known for American Werewolf in London and 47 other yeah, things. Yeah, we're
0: really one of the most um famous creature effects guys in the game. was yeah. famous enough that he, we brought him up last episode. And um yeah. so I guess I should just do a a, a kind of visual on the actual edgar bug right he's kind of a he kind of a let's see. Yeah. he, remi- he kind of reminds me of maybe like um a cross between like a cockroach and a mortal combat villain he's kind of a, a, yeah. a slimy yellow-eyed like ch- chittering fanged um b- b- kind of cockroach monstrosity thing is does that is does that yeah. does that, does that sound right what what do we factually know about the edgar bug because does he i forget is he is he the primary antagonist of Men in Black is he the revealed like thing that we're all worried about yeah. okay um
1: yeah he's well it's a it's like a political thing the bug in in the men in black in the first men in black story comes to earth to steal a galaxy from a powerful empire that just kind of like has earth proxied in its borders okay and like uh the powerful empire doesn't want the bugs to have this, this, uh, powerful gal- Like, uh, the, the resource that it's all about is like a marble-sized, actual marble that's, uh, has the power of an entire galaxy within right. it. And so that's what the bug is after. And if the bug gets, uh, a hold of it, like if the bug has possession of that, then the powerful empire, uh would blow up earth. They send a battle cruiser to make sure that Uh, if if they don't have control over the galaxy, then nobody will. And, um, so the men in black have to like beat the clock to get the galaxy back from the bug. And, um, as well as like appease the Achilles, there's a big language barrier between the men in black and the powerful space empire. um, and the bug comes from a place that's just kind of called Hive World. Okay. Um, I guess it's not necessarily able to be translated into
0: English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, space bugs is uh, space bugs are one of those. Um Tropes that are just kind of standard. I mean, you know, even even the xenomorph is a version of a space bug, right? They have a they have a hive and eggs and a queen that pumps out in a very um, bee or ant style, Uh, and they have they have groupthink and they do not have individual identity. So you know, like. yeah, space, cre- space aliens being like bugs it. is kind of like you know, aliens 101.
1: Oh, your skin is hanging off your bones.
0: Oh, yeah, uh,
1: is that better? the uh, uh, antagonist bug? I don't really know what to call him other than an egg or suit, like, the Eggersuit seems to have a, a pain reaction to regular Earth cockroaches being smashed. Right. And that is later explained in the cartoon as being, like, a, a, a t- telepathic uh, empathy type of thing that that the space bugs have with all insect life. So the, a way to, like, fight the space bugs is to just kill regular bugs, and they they physically feel pain from it.
0: <laughs> One of the most alien things that you can do to a human audience particularly an American human audience is is to imbue your um, monsters with any amount of communal thinking or um, anti-individualism or (laughs) at certain points empathy whatsoever it's like they 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 felt bad for that creature hilarious let's um let's kill them all what the heck is it Ager get your big
1: butt back in the house do you remember a scene in the Men in Black movie where uh, Will Smith is with a bunch of like uh, special forces guys who were who were. Um Cadets for the Men in Black. They just don't know it yet. Yes, and they're set up. They're set up on a firing range, and Will Smith shoots like a little girl cutout. Yes, I do remember that. That gag comes back in the cartoon when um, the Queen Bug visits Earth, and she appears just like the cutout that Will Smith shot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate that gag. I mean, there was the if if you're not a Men in Black person, the the, I guess the joke styles of th- those kind of jokes, they played, I think they played pretty well. I, I think like Men in Black only makes sense if you're experiencing it like someone who's just been yanked into a car and taken on a ride by like a, 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 an uncle. With like bad boundaries, you know what I mean. Like every, it's like <laughs> you, like because if you actually sit down long enough to pay attention to all of the details in any one scene, you realize that you are essentially falling through a series of unlikely plot holes. You were like this this whole the logic of this makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever. You know what I mean? And there are good <laughs> movies that work like that. I mean, one of my favorite movies, the the the. The Vampire Joint Near Dark is another one of those movies yeah. where if you stop and, like, kind of do the math on if, if they ever lived this lifestyle for more than, like, a month, how many people in Texas they would end up killing over the course of, like two yeah. years of their, their centuries-long existence, you know, it's, it's absolutely yeah. untenable. <laughs> it, it makes absolutely no sense yeah. if you expand it out beyond the tiny bubble of focus that is the film. Yeah. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. So, for those that are maybe only familiar with the pop culture aspect of the term Men in Black...
1: Yeah, maybe we should explain that. Like, it's more—it's not just a movie franchise.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's kind of like a fake news thing happening where the um the film franchise is more famous than the yeah. the cultural cryptozoological or cryptohistorical quote unquote events of the Men in Black, which are attack- attached to uh various UFO sightings and. Um, high strangeness of events that have happened through crypto yeah. history that you know are talked about by um, you know people that are fans of uh, conspiracy theory, but in <laughs> in in this crypto um, history, the Men in Black are bizarre alien characters, and by alien in this sense, I mean that they are not human. They very much give off these aspects of appearing to have to poorly give an impression of a human.
1: Yeah. Give me
0: sugar. You know, they will have paper white skin and absurdly, you know, long, like 10 inch fingers. And, you know, they won't sweat. They might have totally black or totally white eyes, you know like lipstick rubbed on their totally flat featureless lips but just to give the yeah. impression of some amount of like blood to the flesh yeah. <laughs> yeah they will ask bizarre questions that make no sense you know yeah. re- re- repeatedly they will ask for beverages that you know you know they would you know ask to drink gasoline or you know essentially yeah. they're these Obvious non-humans that, in a way, echo, um, you know, the Edgar Edgar suits, kind of lackadaisical, disinterested, or um, totally totally fucked up in like desire to eh, lamely do an impression of a human being to get through its various errands that it has (laughs) to do on planet Earth, but it really doesn't understand any of the central aspects of doing a human impression but yeah. but also is somehow able to stumble through it's necessary a to z job without doing anything like an impression of a human being
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's one of the that is one of the uh, explanations of them like there's there's a couple other uh, versions of the men in black like one there's a a, a couple of stories uh, collected from people who, in no way, would like coordinate this as a conspiracy, but who would like uh, people who have been um, interviewed for like plane crashes and like UFO things uh, back in the '60s would all get visited or like be in a diner or like um, on the on the street where uh, a man in a black suit would. Uh, like loudly proposed to them that what they saw was like a natural thing, like space, like, like, uh, like space, uh, sun emissions and, um, yeah. swamp gas and all that crap.
0: <laughs> yeah. In, in, in pretty much every instance, both in your examples and in the ones that fit into the column I'm describing, the men in black's yeah. role seem to always be to muddy the waters, ab- about a, uh, bizarre, Alien event, um, and yeah. this is also including the the very famous sightings that are connected to um, Mothman in Point Pleasant in the '60s. Uh, there's, a, yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of activity, quote unquote, described about um, you know the Men in Black coming to see people after the event to find out what they know.
1: Yeah, there's there's always some men in black at the Mothman conventions, but they are clearly like subculturalist people <laughs> who are just dressed in black suits. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: like they're, they're clearly like a goth and a punk rocker like wearing black suits. <laughs> yeah, you just give them a hat with some checkers on it and they could become a, a ska band very yeah. quickly.
1: Master at arms, take that man below and clap him in irons. The men in black, the men in black suits... <laughs> Um, or it's it's not necessarily pointed out in the first movie. Um, why their suits are so important? Well, their suits are important because of like the the cryptozoology or crypto historic thing about the men in black. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the fiction of this franchise, it's specifically important because the suits aren't just like tailored suits; they're like high tech pieces of right. equipment. Like, it's, it serves as armor, there's a stealth mode and a disguise mode, um, and every time they get, like, dirty or damaged, they're sent away to be dry-cleaned, and that's, like, an right. ongoing joke, kind of like um, being sent to, like, the motor pool if, if, your, if your Abrams tank was hit
0: by an RPG. But, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Just a little spit and polish and this will be all good.
1: Yeah. I always thought... I always thought that was fun because I like it whenever armor can be a suit.
0: <laughs> yeah, well like a tuxedo. <laughs> right. And that's uh historically there I mean there's a lot of examples of that are you know like I there is somebody who has a degree in this that I would like to talk to because you know like armor doesn't have to look nice and clothes don't have to keep you armored but frequently yeah. but frequently uh, either of those things occur right and there yeah. are definitely <laughs> bl- there are definitely blendings of those i mean the, some of the most obvious examples are kind of like the the leather motorcycle jacket which has a literal armor Um, job in armoring you from the road. Should you uh, inevitably uh, splash onto the side of the, you know, the, the, the coastal highway going um, up Los Angeles or something.
1: (laughs) Biker chaps and leather jackets are not just like for looking um, really attractive in saunas.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, the whole. I mean, you're talking about centuries of people that are also wearing clothes that are giving off the look of armor in order to elicit kind of like a military feel. And then, you know, when yeah. do you wear your military uniform outside of a military context and for what reason? And. You know, like clothes that anything that has fucking epaulets on it that is not actual, a, actually a military garment. That's you know, it's that has one toe in that you know concept. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. armor. Armor is extremely fascinating. I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking about armor with you when we record that separate thing that I have not explained to you. That I will explain to you after this episode.
1: Da 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 da. The suits that. Infantrymen war after firearms became like a widely um, accepted and used thing is is a lot like uh, psychological warfare, like showing the enemy that they are more civilized, that they are more prepared, and that the clothes actually do something like protect against things because mm-hmm. they're big, thick, heavy. And they're like, be damned, whatever the environment is where we're sending these Marines, they're going to be wearing like 60 pounds of wool. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, um, everything that had, um, Giant, tall hats and uh, big viral spikes on metal helmets, and like uh, whatever, whatever the cords were made out of to show rank that actually go through, like the
0: yeah. I mean, a a perfect example. Yeah, perfect example is you know the British colonizers in both Africa and, for instance, India, where you've got these massively impractical standards for military dress. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. as long as they're wearing beige, it should be fine. They'll be cool. Yeah, you know, and they're wearing the <laughs> weird, you know, this this like bandage strap things up to the knees. And the pith helmets, and the still the full like wool jacket. But then they're cutting them down to like wearing short sleeves, maybe. And you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I smoke my pipe all day, and still I'm warm. I don't understand. <laughs> and <it> just. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't get it, Johnny.
1: Yeah, this tobacco pipe should balance the humours out for me to be anemic.
0: Yes, I there there's there's something purely evil about this country. I can just sense it. Just fucking stop wearing nine <laughs> layers in a hundred and twelve yes, degree the- humid jungle, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> I <laughs> wonder fucking Rommel's beating you all over North Africa. It's because he fucking takes his hat off sometimes.
1: Anyway, there is probably more that could be said about, like, uh, when this movie came out and how its uh, sequels were kind of different in in um, how they approached the plot because of 9-11. Right. Like, uh, America America was was had been attacked uh, for those of you that may be too young to remember
0: <laughs> I think like, they've heard nothing, I think they've heard of it
1: yeah nothing like that but like nothing like that had ever happened we were alive for 19 years with like uh, this sense that there that there could be danger like war coming to the shores of America yeah. some of us wanted it to happen like go Wolverines yeah because because we'd surely kick the crap out of some Russians who paratrooped into Wyoming, I mean that that would and 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 that would actually be true like that's that's a bad tactical decision for Russia
0: to make, but like <laughs> yeah, seriously Wyoming like yeah. Of all the of all of the places, you know, I don't want to give like the Cheneys any like credit, but I would not drop onto their property, you know, with, with a fucking AK forty seven from from yeah. the Russian with, step. With
1: the lightest, yeah, the lightest infantry that you can field.
0: We are, if anything, way too prepared for Red Dawn as America. I think, yeah, there. Oh, if you know there's this there's this weird wiggle in between no violent video games are not creating um, you know the golden age of the mass shooter supposedly but yeah. also like you know the, the 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 hypermasculine bullshit of the Jean Cla- Jean-Claude Van Damme and Schwarzenegger era really has like pulled a generation or three toward uh, the 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 mentality of the the conqueror's manifesto right that basically all situations are a conquer or be conquered dynamic that turns all like macho identity either into a win lose proposition that it is means that it, you'll be better off if you have a very big gun and maybe like a Ford Bronco and that yeah. there's, there's way too much of that, right? We did way go way too far in that direction. We saw red Dawn and we were like, yes, Got it. More guns and more <laughs> siphoning of gasoline and more demolition expert teenagers. I'm like, OK, no, that wasn't that. It turns out that's actually not as essential, particularly when you have hundreds and hundreds of miles of wide open, just totally vacant fucking land. that's mostly like m- moose. Yeah and wolves that is not <laughs> yeah. worth trying to take over that is 90% yeah. of the whole fucking like land mass of the United States I and mean, be like yeah, uh, yeah. apparently it yesterday is. a whole bunch of people dropped out outside of Branson, Missouri and tried to take it over and nobody fucking knew for 25 hours
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it does it seems like you know Americans know not to drop into like Siberia
0: yeah, oh, cause Ameri- because that, Americans that do have a useless. sense of big space. You're like, it's yeah. you're not the danger is not the first guy you run into. The danger is how fucking long is it until there's a first guy that I run into, and yeah. and all of the dilemma that I'm gonna catch along the way, right? Yeah, I'm just I'm trying
1: to think of like the like the incompetency of the Russian military in Red Dawn, <laughs> and I. I guess I would say if it's plausible, but it certainly is plausible. Like they don't seem well, to be having their
0: shit. Well, the together. most hilarious—I mean, the hilarious <laughs> thing is like, okay, step two, drop—I don't know, ten thousand guys somehow into the middle of Wyoming. What the fuck is step? What the yeah. fuck is step two? Like mean, now you're in charge of a bunch of high schools. Like well, there, what? Admit, yeah. There's absolutely yeah, no that's, step. That's there's no think. step two.
1: Yeah. American infrastructure is all the high schools. <laughs>
0: like I'm trying to think if you could actually do it. Like, what city, you know? I mean, like, Denver. I mean, DC, but like, you would need
1: to take Denver because it's, uh, there's a bunch of airports and military, uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, uh, okay, like communications. It's like a military communications, yeah, but hub.
0: still, then you're just surrounded by fucking Colorado. Yeah.
1: Then then you're surrounded by Colorado and all the pissed off people in there that that point at your mountains and go, them's just here. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, and then outside of Colorado (laughs) is a whole bunch more nothing for like three, like two states in every direction.
1: Yeah, it's a couple of states and nothing until you hit Las Vegas, which is a place that you don't want to really try to take over.
0: (laughs) You there! Sanfost Is there, are there references to it in Men in Black 2 or 3 or 9 or does are there any does the does the monster or any reference to using Vincent D'Onofrio come up later cuz I sure as fuck have not seen anything past I think I may have seen two I probably did
1: not in the movies but it is it is rife in the uh cartoon and video games like uh the okay. cartoon is full of not only Jokes about Vincent D'Onofrio's Edgar suit, but Vincent D'Onofrio himself guest voicing several uh, voices. Like the cartoon's actually really good if you ever watch it. Like it's yeah. not, it's not like Men in Black. Uh, Hanna-Barbera'd into like a stupidity thing. It's it's like an actual, uh, I guess, Samurai Jack level, you know, teenage <laughs> adult type right. cartoon.
0: Yeah. Man, if I think if I was going to have like one of the the main acting careers that would be fun to have, would be Vincent D'Onofrio because it seems (laughs) like he can go a couple of years and really not do that much, and then he still has massive demand, you know. Like, and then you just jump in and be like the Sherlock Holmes of Law and Order for a few years and be like, okay, did that, bang, and then just go not do that anymore, you know, and then be kingpin in Daredevil, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, I think, though, he he has, like, a lot of the problems that his detective character has. Like, he actually has them.
0: Eh, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean...
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Being famous would, would kind of relax a lot
0: of the problems I have. Yeah, I mean, like, when I saw... Like, when I saw Michael Keaton talk at this, like, um retrospective in Los Angeles. There's this like famous, uh, theater in Santa Monica called the arrow. And, uh, like somebody asked him, like somebody asked a question about being famous. And it was like, you know, how do you deal with being famous? And he was like being, and he goes like, you know what the thing is about being like rich and famous? It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's it's great I, I, it's, it, I it's 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 fucking awesome and anybody that tells you that it's not is 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 dealing with problems that they have they have really like allowed to creep in to their mentality where they get used to how things are and then they're never satisfied you know in reality i love it i wouldn't want to do it any other way and i'm like michael keaton you're better at being a famous <laughs> yeah. person and other people. Um, you are a true yinzer. You win the day, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yet again. It's that's and,
1: a, a lot like uh, his Bruce Wayne. I loved his Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I, there, like, why there, don't we do that? We could do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there, it's a shame that, like, in a way, there's a shame that that Bruce Wayne has not had a, as much screen time to kind of, like, just be a character. It's it's hard to, it's hard to show Bruce Wayne. And I don't know if it's just my prejudice around that movie and that performance. I don't think that it is. I think that he's better. I think that he's better at it because.
1: He's a way more likable Bruce Wayne. He's like, like, like I said, he was like, you know what? We could do anything because I'm rich enough. Oh Come on, let's do it.
0: (laughs) it there's something playful about him that doesn't come across in almost any other Bruce Wayne performance where yeah. it it accesses the plausibility of somebody who might just like decide to make a a 5 million dollar bat based car with yeah. like wings and rockets <laughs> on it. Where you're like, yeah, this yeah. Is fucking Badass. That's why, you know, like yeah. there there's a, a playfulness to him that actually aligns with the goofy reality of what it is to make a bat plane and drive it at a guy that's like all dressed yeah. up in clown makeup and <laughs> to, you know, t- to live this kind of candy corn goofy ass halloween everyday is halloween superhero thing is it is yeah. a, it's a, it is an affectation you know there's the the darker and grittier versions one of the tensions that they keep getting more and more tension with is Still like a, it's still a weird wearing your pajamas to school kind of fucking decision to dress up like this. Like at some, you yeah. know, it's at some bedrock level, this is like, well, that's a weird flex, bro. And yeah. the Michael Keaton version is one of the only versions that has the kind of um, emotional flexibility and strength to feel like, yeah, that's a guy that can can do both. That yeah. feels like he is both serious as hell and kind of fucking around <laughs> and um, yeah. as much as i like this um, this new one with the glitter prints like he you know it's it's just so edge that that doesn't right. seem like a guy that's just like well oh, i would put ears on the ears on the helmet
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, with that we could probably mention the the moment of silence we said we would do for kevin conroy oh
0: absolutely his is professor marmalade coming at you wet and flimsy from underneath the bar at the pool hall attached to the bowling alley next to the arcade in the mountain lair student union in morgantown west virginia kevin conroy was born in westbury new york in 1955 and among many other credits is the voice actor that defined the feeling of batman starting in the mid-1990s conroy starred in batman the animated series for four years from 1992 to 1996 and continued on with the role in nearly 60 different projects his recent death has blindsided many with a mix of both grief and nostalgia for a man behind the curtain that imbued the caped crusader with a dignity and stoicism seemingly unparalleled in popular culture. Pouring one out of my bat flask for all my bat homies. Professor Marmalade out. Um, which is very um, timely that we were just talking about Clayface yeah. two episodes ago. And yeah. man, what a hell of a voice that guy had. um geez and it's always when people when you see voice actors like that that play you know like the guy that plays um you know he-man or whatever somebody that or you know lion o i'm sorry i don't have these like the quiver to pull out of my quiver off the top of my head but you know executive dysfunction and and is um ian something ah well you could if you want to look it up you can but because i'm gonna yeah uh, it's like (laughs) it's it it never it never snaps to grid that that person has that face because yeah. it, it's it's like uh it's something that's out it's something that's out of place you know it's like meeting somebody that's seven foot two you're like holy shit there yeah. like, like you you believe that that guy has that voice but it is it feels like a stretch we're like god damn you sound like that holy shit and yeah. um. You know, and but he what was. a what a what a career to stumble on that character, yeah, um, and to get to play it for so long in so many properties because you know without the um, restrictions of having to you know put on a rubber suit and get blown up you know, in in actual <laughs> Hollywood acting movies where you can just walk into a booth and do different versions and be in this one and be in that one. And when there's a revival, it comes back and you go to conventions. You know, that's, that's fucking phenomenal. And I, there's this really yeah. good comic that I have up in one of my tabs because I'm a tabs hoarder. Um, but, oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> um, and I'm going to find a link to it. I'll put links to it in the Instagram when I put it up. But there's this um, there's this really great comic called Finding Batman that is like, it's like a independent two-color thing that's about the story of Kevin Conroy basically falling into the Batman role and that how the um, the masking of Bruce putting on his mask to encapsulate the person who he really is to go out in the world and solve problems the way he understands them really dovetailed into Kevin Conroe's experience of being a still-closeted gay man who was experiencing so much of the same things even at the time that he gets the Batman role where he is not... He is an adult-ass fucking professional man who is so good that now he's Batman and is actually going to be one of the most iconic Batmans and probably like dollars to donuts and, like, minutes to miles may be the most prolific Batman, probably. I mean, I can't think of a way that there's somebody who is more Batman if you actually do the math. you see what I mean? Like, yeah. more properties, more minutes, more versions. There cannot be anybody who comes even close, right? And yeah. then to for that person to um, both be so incredibly good at it but also to have this like secret um, kind of like bone marrow connection to the content because what is central about Batman is that he has a fear of exposing himself, so he has to hide behind these layers of protection, some of which are literal and some of which are psychological is yeah. what a what a great piece of um, kind of cinematic and acting history that we all, Unfortunately, just most of us realize right now because the guy's fucking dead. But, um, I don't know. Like, what do you, what, what, what were you gonna, what were you gonna say?
1: Uh, that Kevin Conroy was, uh, constantly offered, like, voice acting things, but he, He was like kind of obligated to do so many Batman things that he couldn't really do anything else because there was (laughs) there was like a Batman thing to voice every fucking month.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I understand. That's that's interesting. people
1: wanted him on on their cartoons and stuff. They offered him stuff all the time, and he he had to like constantly keep doing Batman. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I you know, and I think I'll tell you that I know that the math is good enough dollars wise that I'm sure he, if he chose to do a million other things, he could have, because you you, you do 10 years of that where you're on TV the whole time. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have that boat that you've had your eye on for the last couple of years. (laughs) You're going to be okay. You're going to live wherever you want. So if he wanted to be doing totally different things, that would have been his prerogative. I think I can safely say that with my knowledge of the industry And I think that it must have really been a passion thing for him to feel like he was Batman in a way that was important to him and like good on him because he did an awesome fucking job.
1: He did at least four Batman gigs every year since 97.
0: Yeah, that's fucking that's fucking wild because yeah. And four because is the of, minimum <laughs> because of how because of how many years that is. It's just so much Batman. Yeah, it's like like yeah. and nothing even comes close. I mean, you think about all of the episodes of the TV show that um, Adam West did, but that's still dwarfed yeah. massively in comparison by like all of the properties that he did. Even you know, not even just with animated series.
1: He did a couple because those those Arkham games. Are extensively huge. The scripts for those must be like as big as like Grand Theft Auto's scripts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yep. I raise a uh, a, um, a bat glass to you, yes. Kevin Conroy. Raise a bat glass to you, Kevin Conroy. A, one of the great Batman's. If if not, yeah. uh, the number one Batman in a very in a certain way. In a Batman, the Batman that yeah. we don't see. It's it's there's very, um.
1: There's a system of ranking the best Batman, uh, which I have because co- you can't just co- you can't just say is. who the best Batman is because of there's course. so many different like aspects to consider there. Well, but was I would say that Kevin Conroy is the most Batman.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there like if you think about by the by the time he started it, um you know, Adam West wasn't even that old. You know, he started it yeah. pretty soon after. Well, I guess there would be an overlap with Michael Keaton if you include um, Batman Returns, right? So he's yeah. let's he's basically starting in the if you look at the geological time, uh, essentially at the same time as Michael Keaton. You know, yeah. and and then going until na- uh, now to fucking twenty twenty two. That is just monumental. It is really, uh, you yeah. know, if you're a Batman person and you are not familiar with the stuff that he has done with the voice uh, character, uh, check it out because he is yeah. so good at it. It is understated. You're not familiar
1: with it, and then, then certainly it,
0: heard it. Yeah, it's understated until it's not, and he just hits those like he hits those emotional notes so well. It's not just that he has a fucking deep voice and so that he's able to curl around those, you know, relationships with Poison Ivy and and Joker and the Batman the Batman and the Riddler and everybody else in a way that actually makes it feel like something and not just um you know slapping uh you know a uh, bass sounds against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> not just it's doing, it's truly a performance. Not Just doing
1: the same voice for John Connor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Well, uh, sad note there, but let's um let's wrap it up with one final thought I think about uh, the Edgar suit. What did, what does the Edgar suit if I had to turn it into like a a f- uh, film 101 paper like what is this what is what do we what's new about this in in terms of new as of 1997? Like why is it why is it so interesting? I mean, it's a gag. So it doesn't have to be super interesting, but why is it It super interesting?
1: It is an ongoing gag and an opportunity for Vincent D'Onofrio to show how much he can, how much fortitude he has against fucking makeup uh, in order to (laughs) do like extraordinary physical comedy to pretend like he's a giant bug stuffed inside of a person suit. And like the things he does is hilarious. The things he does is like my comedy routine where I don't know where I'm going. I go,
0: oh, oh, bull. <laughs> uh, uh, <bah."> yeah. It's, <laughs> it is, it, it it's, it's very broad, but there is, yeah. there's something very difficult about doing broad for the cinema camera because you have yeah. to, you have to like, Take a screwdriver and stick it in various parts of yourself and twist them all at at various times where the machinery of your body is doing half a dozen things at minimum all at once. So that you you both look like crazy in the master shot and then also in the close up where, you you know, there's not it's not just like anybody could do it. There's a reason Vincent D'Onofrio is, is doing this. It's very, it's very difficult. And, um, and he gets paid to do it for a reason. Like it's actually really fucking hard. And also in addition to having all of the, you know, the, the makeup stuff to fight through in certain occasions, there's, that's a whole different level of complexity. You know, ask, ask a lot of the, um, Star Trek actors, and have to oh, yeah. that, have to work through those fucking Odo and uh, Ferengi <laughs> prostheses. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, the Edgar suit is a big bad bug, um, kind of a one-note character made to serve as the antagonist for um, something that didn't was not a vehicle for a franchise on purpose, but what became a vehicle for a franchise. And it's right. Um, it's certainly one of the better sci-fi conspiracy comedy movies that I've seen <laughs> there aren't very many of those
0: yeah it's so. almost it's almost as it's almost as if there it's a micro genre because there's not a whole lot of appetite for. <laughs> Um, (laughs) fake, fake giant departments of the United States government that are stealing our memories to hide up their secrets. It's almost as if there's a, I'm not a huge appetite for that. Like ever at all. (laughs) Super weird. Um, cool, cool, cool. All right. So I'm going to say my bottom line is Vincent D'Onofrio is awesome. Yeah. I can't wait I'm, for... Can't I'm w- a
1: big men in black person. I
0: can't wait for a Full Metal Jacket 2, Fuller Metaler Jacketer. Uh,
1: it's <laughs> it's going to be called Jacketed Hollow Point.
0: <laughs> <which is laughs> metal Jacket
1: 2, the other kind of round.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the The... the, the yeah, the the jacket that's made out of the other stuff that nobody knows. Yeah, the the hollow points. It's, <laughs> hey, I, I, jokes that nobody likes. All right, let's uh, end. Yeah. The, let's let's end, end the show. Let's end the is bullet this, jokes. Is this um? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it, is 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 it, it bitch and van art? Is it- <laughs> no, I don't think this is. <laughs> No, I do no. I do not think the Edgar suit from Men in Black is Bitchin' Van Art. As no, much. it isn't. I don't e- I don't even think that any version of kind of like a Men in Black kind of like badass yeah. 70s like wall uh, mural is Bitchin' Van yeah. Art. It's just not Yeah, the, re-im- just the not
1: reimagining there. of like uh a, a retro 50s good old days conspiracy into a comedy, um, just is not uh, bitchin' Vanard. It's not <laughs> no. um, air, airbrushed badassery.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is funny because I mean they have like weird laser cars and they have guns that I know, you know I know. That they that's have why that's guns why this has, ha-
1: Yeah, that's why this segment has like a lot of beef to it because you would imagine that a sci-fi action movie would make something bitchin', but no. It is not bitchin' van art.
0: It has so many ingredients that should make it bitchin', but it's essentially like a Disney ride. It's like a. Yeah. It's a. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> it's a Disney ride about steal, stealing the truth out of the back of your mind. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay. Well, there's that. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, Bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. Tell people about
1: this show. Go out and tell everybody. (laughs) Ring a bell in the streets and say, go listen to Oops All Monsters. And then remind everybody to give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on, rate us on there. That really does help. Um, I have other things lined up. Just type in Gavin Longshanks into your Google machine. You might find me.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Paul Revere, that shit. Share an episode (laughs) on your favorite social media and hit up the Instagram for images that go along with each episode. I'm going to steal the next line from you. I'm just going to say, and please comment on the Instagram. And if you have uh, monster suggestions or interesting role-playing game debacles that you want to tell us that we might feature on the show, you can email them to oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. And... If you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypalme oopsallmonsters. or if you're feeling really froggy, we would love if you would sign up on a monthly basis at patreoncom oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work is part of the, her work is part of the duo The Darling Kathleens can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleens, which is funny. Last night. Uh, I will pull up. Um, I will pull up uh, YouTube on my projector a lot. I watch a lot of YouTube, actually. I, I the, Google does not understand the algorithm well enough to like cater it really <laughs> well. But finally, for yeah. some reason, on my home page, YouTube like pushed the darling Kathleens at me just out yeah. out of nowhere. Like I don't. I have no idea why suddenly. Out of the many, many years of having this connection, suddenly, yeah. like, it was like, hey, you might be into this. And I was like, huh? What? Interesting. Okay. And it reminded yeah. me how incredibly charming her videos are. So check out the darling Kathleen's, uh, her yeah. and Allison, who is the other Kathleen in question. They do really great covers and they do really great original stuff, very funny stuff.
1: I got. I got suggested the darling Kathleen's from watching this band that, that I like a lot for some reason called the big moon.
0: Huh? I have no idea there, uh, but yeah. 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 Katie's thing is very good. And okay. With that, I have been Hess. And
1: I have been Gavin.
0: And or have I? And we have, we have been, uh, 7,000. And we were not here. Yeah, 7,000 7, bugs.
1: Swamp gas.
0: In a what you
1: listened to was swamp gas. In an actor's
0: suit. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night. Good night, fair. Good teachers. I said good night. I <laughs> said good night. <laughs> I'm gonna be coughing for the next three years, it seems like. <sighs>
1: oh November no.
0: Yeah, I don't know. November <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm gonna start. November. No! <sighs>